St. Petersburg. It's seen its share of bullets and betrayal over the years. I suspect both guards and soldiers here are well-trained and highly suspicious of foreigners. I have to rely on the element of surprise. They don't expect me. And if I keep it cool, clean and quiet, they'll never know what hit them. Welcome to Now Playing Podcast's Hitman Retrospective Series. I want you to know I'm a big fan of your work, 47. It's an honor to meet a legend. Part of Now Playing's video game movie review series. The games. What makes you think this is a game? Hosted by Arnie. This man truly is the best at what he does. Justin. You know you're really quite charming when you aren't killing people. And Stuart. These men are selected at birth. They are made experts in every aspect of combat and programmed for one purpose, to kill. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. How do you think we should proceed, huh? How about go fuck yourself? Listener discretion is advised. What are you going to do? What I do. I'm your Today we're discussing Hitman, Agent 47, starring Rupert Friend, Hannah Ware, Zachary Quinto, Syrian Hines, Thomas Kretschmann, Angela Baby, directed by Alexander Bach, who is not related to Sebastian Bach of Skid Row, I'm disappointed to say. Uh. That would make it better? This is Agent 69, back for another round, Arnie. And Stuart. And this is Justin. Eight years. Who was waiting? I guess it took the game rebooting for people to think that this was a property that might work at the movies again. Because although Hitman was, we're using the word hit, it was a modest hit. I don't think anyone was disappointed that all the principals involved wanted to do other things. And this is going to go to mostly new creative impulses and new people. There had been talk as late as 2013 of doing a direct sequel to the original film. Oliphant wanted to, what, build a gym or something? (laughs) (laughs) He was never coming back. But you could have still made a sequel and recast the role. And then they finally announced in 2013 they were rebooting Hitman, Agent 47. They found their new Hitman, Paul Walker. Mm. It's hard to believe it was that long ago that Paul Walker passed away. But it did take like two years to finish that Fast and Furious film, which is when I really, my memory of Paul Walker going away and, you know, Mm -hmm. see you again, my friend song as they Mm -hmm. drive off and things. That's to me when Paul Walker left. But it was 2013. And so they had to find another star and it got pushed back a little bit. But yes. 2015 hitman agent 47 i already mentioned last show i was confused i'm like i thought they made a hitman film i actually thought it might have been called agent 47 is this a sequel is this a reboot did they even really make that film which i watched and coming back i'm like did i watch this film i really didn't know it turns out i hadn't my first time watching it was for this review okay yeah i didn't see it then i barely was aware that it came out it came out like the week after Straight Out of Compton, that was the movie everyone was going to 
to see. So although it was a summer 2015 film, it was not one that anyone took notice of. It was it came out in the dog days of summer at the end of August and made 22 million in America. Somebody went and saw it. It made more of its money internationally. I think it did the same business internationally, but they just couldn't convince America to care about this franchise. So I think this one is considered not a hit. It cost 35 million. It made 83 million. So it made less and cost more, but they made their money back. And for some fucking reason, I can't explain it. They just released this in 4K Blu-ray. I don't know if Fox was like, it's coming to the end, boys. What do we got? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But they released this just a couple months ago. They announced a slate of new 4K. And so I got to watch this in glorious 4K Blu-ray. I was like... Why? Who wanted it? If only Fox cared as much in pre-production as they do in (laughs) post-production. It is true. Yeah, loaded with bonus features. A prequel comic on the Blu-ray. So many bonus features. Yeah, well, I wondered if a lot of this, if the purpose was not box office at all, but to promote the reboot of the game. It's worth pointing out that IO Interactive was bought, was under new owners, and they had tried a couple times to create games that relaunched the Hitman and created new awareness for a new generation of players. I want to make clear, you say reboot. Relaunch is the word, as in make awareness, and they tried new types of games with Agent 47. They actually did some story-driven games, which I was not aware of. Hitman Absolution is perhaps the biggest one, and it's very divisive among Hitman fans, because some people think you're opening it up to a new audience, and others are like, you've completely betrayed everything that made Hitman a unique franchise by making it story-driven and everything. But If you buy the brand new Hitman 2, it's 20 years after the original Hitman game. It is a straight continuity of him getting older, and that's really weird to me, but they have quote-unquote tight continuity between all of their games. Never rebooted. Tomb Raider, they did a reboot, and when I saw there was a game called Hitman that came out in 16, which they are promoting the hell out of on the movie here. Like, there's a pop-up trivia track here, and they're talking constantly about the 2016 game. I'm like, this movie came out in 2015. How do you even know this? What kind of Nostradamus is doing your pop-up trivia here? But... Yeah, even though it was just called Hitman, I thought like Tomb Raider, it would be a reboot. No, it's just the next Hitman game, but it did relaunch the franchise. It brought it back. The 2016 Hitman game brought it back to what Hitman should be. What I don't understand is the property here, the licensing, is for Hitman. Agent 47, as we learned in the movie last week, isn't somebody who has a personality or character traits that I personally want to follow more stories of. So what's the harm, even in the video game industry, of making it Agent 48 or Agent 49? Like, why are we stuck with this 47? Is it just because they're trying to do a 007 type of thing? Why did they make Dr. Mario? Why are they continuing things like Donkey Kong Country instead of just having totally different games with totally new characters? The guy with the barcode on the back of his head is the icon, the same way Lara Croft is the icon. You don't do Tomb Raider, the stories of Gene Smith. You know, I mean, you just... Sure, but what I'm saying is what they've done with the movie, at least, is they created a character that could be anybody from that agency. 
Well, I do think in this movie, they are going to try harder to work on character backstory and to give him some friends and some storylines. I think that, yeah, you say Bond. Bond or Bourne was what they always had in mind, but they didn't even come close to that when it came time to roll on Hitman. By rebranding it Agent 47, they seek to wipe away the memory of the first movie and try to make it, I guess, character-driven is what you could call it. It seems a little ambitious, but you know what I'm saying. Right. And I guess my bigger question is, is that what fans of the video game are in for? Is it that they're tied to the character of 47 and not just the idea of Hitman the property? That's what I'm saying is I think you are tied to this character. I don't think the games could or should replace 47 with a new Hitman. They might reboot and make him younger again someday, but I think 47 with his two guns and his barcode is the icon of the Hitman franchise. As you mentioned last time, it's certainly not the name of the franchise that it's Hitman. You've got to keep the visual icon, and then if you're going to make a movie based on that game, I think this has to be your main character. But is it? Arnie, give him the plot, and we can debate whether Agent 47 is the star of Agent 47. Rupert Friend is Agent 47, a cloned super assassin in a long, closed-down program run by Ukrainian geneticist Dr. Peter Litvenko, played by Syrian Hines. Litvenko had a crisis of conscience and quit the program and went into hiding. But many people have been trying to restart the program to have more super assassins. This is something 47 doesn't want, so he spent the past several years searching for Litvenko. Finally, he finds a target who's trying to restart the program and reveals to 47 that Litvenko's daughter may be the key to the scientist's location. That daughter is Katya Van Dees, played by Hannah Ware. She's been searching for her father as well, separated since she was a young girl and she's totally unaware she is also Agent 90, genetically modified to have superior reflexes and recall. She's picked up by John Smith, played by Zachary Quinto. Smith works for The Syndicate, a nefarious group that's trying to capture Litvenko to make more hitmen. Smith himself has been enhanced with a titanium alloy under his skin, making him impenetrable to bullets and knives. But 47 rescues Katya from Smith, and the two go on the run. Katya determines her father's location and she and 47 go to rescue him, but he's taken by the syndicate. 47 and Katya infiltrate the syndicate headquarters. 47 kills Smith. Well, at least until a useless mid credit scene show that he's not really dead, but instead just got a new hairdo. And 47 goes after syndicate head Antoine Leclerc, but Leclerc escapes in a helicopter with Dr. Litvenko. However, 47 gave Litvenko a bomb disguised as an asthma inhaler, and Litvenko detonates it, killing himself and Leclerc. And it turns out, killing the reclusive Leclerc was 47's real mission the entire time. But while it seems the super soldier program is now finally dead, a clone of 47 comes up ready to fight as credits roll. Hey, that was a lot cleaner than last week's plot summary. Hey, last week's plot summary was perfectly clean. It's just when we tried to delve <laughs> into the plot itself, that shit hit the fan. <laughs> yeah, and here we're going to get a lot of plot right here, data dump in the credits, where we are going to establish, yes, cloning, DNA strands, scientific agent program stemming from August 1967. Super sold. And so what they're talking about, you know, they have all this hyperbole about... The history of man is defined by war. What if we could create a better man? What they're really talking about, a better man being, is one without a conscience, a killing machine, a Terminator. 
And I go, ah, I finally understand the blueprint by which they could tell a story about a character that has no soul. They could remake the Arnold Schwarzenegger 1984 Terminator or the 91 Terminator. That's not a bad model to follow. Well, well, I do think that having no conscience is a big part of it. It's also reflexes and sheer physical ability. I mean, you're not just taking anybody off the street and removing their conscience. You're getting the people who are best able to do the physicality needed, the targeting, the steady hand, the stealth, all of it. Yeah, if you want to just remove conscience, give everyone cell phones. I mean, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I mean, right up front, we get a little bit more of a feeling of what this agency is and what they were about and what they were trying to do than the first movie ever even tried to give us. Although it's sloppy. I mean, I'm not going to say it's done well. I at least understand what's going on here. There's a mythic scientist who has all the answers for how to do it, and he walked away in moral disgust. No one else has been able to replicate it. A little hard to buy, but, you know, since 1967, this has been, what, nearly 50 years now. They haven't been able to do what a guy in his 30s was able to do back in Vietnam. Yeah, but we don't raise that question every time there's a new Captain America movie. Oh, there's no more super soldiers since World War II. I'm just going to go with it. I do go with it. Yes, it seems a little long, but I'll go with it. This seems to work. I'm a little confused during this movie about the various groups. In the 60s, there was a group that made super assassins that was run by the doctor who did it, which is from the game. I mean, that makes sense from the game. I don't know too many CEO doctors, but okay. And then he changed his mind after founding the company, realized killing people was bad, went into hiding. Okay, I'm still going with it. But then there's like a whole bunch of other groups that now want to do it. And we're going to deal with two or three of these groups here. That's where it gets a little muddy to me. Well, it's not hard to imagine that people would want to create people that worked for them and had their agenda in mind. That you know, I would say any country would probably like to have a super soldier army. His name is Litvinko. Tends to seem like they're passing the buck to Russia. Maybe this wasn't done in America, wasn't under our U.S. presidency, or maybe he was an expat. You know, maybe he was someone that defected and came over and did that. In the games... It was done in Bulgaria, which is hysterical because when the very first game starts, the doctor who created you is giving you instructions. It sounds like Dracula. Good, my friend. You are very good at killing. (laughs) One, one good hit. Ah, ah, ah. I mean, that's where it was. So, no, it was never American here as well. Yeah, all the locations in this film, I think, and the last one have been European. So I think that's the Malou. That that's where all of this happened. We're not interested in what America was doing. We're looking at a small program that went defunct. And now it potentially could get restarted because this doctor had a daughter. They have found a photo of her. And because we have facial recognition software widely available, cameras on every corner in Europe... We can now find or guess how those features might have grown into a woman that we can find on the street. Yeah, this is where we're getting into a little bit of like a CBS drama type of thing. You know, we're getting a lot of computer screens with lots of big graphics and a lot of typing and stuff that I feel like is just kind of saying, hey, this is techie. Don't worry about it. If you're too old to understand computers, just go along and understand that what we're trying to do is make it seem more complicated than what it really is. 
Yeah, I understand computers just fine, and this is just bullshit. You can't really do a lot of the. There have been too many movies recently I've seen where they're just like, we've hacked every cell phone and camera in the world. It's making me nervous, actually. <laughs> like, if movies believe it's that easy to do, maybe it is. I wouldn't put it past. All I know is movie audiences crave more than what's currently available. We want something with just a little bit of edge. It's, by this point, as a concept, we're well aware of facial recognition software and the idea that there's all of this heavy surveillance everywhere we go. You're right. There's CBS shows, and CBS is the very definition of boring, standard family <laughs> fare. So we need to up this concept. That this is just backstory saying our MacGuffin for this movie is a woman who's connected to the scientist that has all the answers can following her lead us back to Litvinko. Agent 47 believes that it could. Now played, as Arnie pointed out, by a new actor named Rupert Friend, who, yes, that's not some made-up name. That is a real actor who I've seen in many things. He does costume dramas. He recently was in Death of Stalin and doing it a broad comedy. He was quite good in it, actually. I think he might have gotten this role because he was a character that appeared in the later seasons of Homeland, which was a show made at Fox. His role was very similar to this. He was an operative, often an assassin, running into dangerous situations. And when Paul Walker is not available to do your movie and you're ready to roll, he probably is. Yeah, I did see Homeland on his resume and figured that had to be how he got his job, not his minor role in Pride and Prejudice six years earlier. But I don't know this guy. I've not seen Homeland. Heard good things, just never seen it. You know what? He came on when I was losing interest in the show and I heard it got better, but I didn't like his character and I gave up mid-season four. So I wouldn't say that the fact that he's starring this was any encouragement but i will say i feel like even though he is also playing an assassin with no personality devoid of human emotions i am getting more out of his performance than i ever did from oliphant he plays it sometimes like you always see people in the 80s playing robots or aliens or mermaids the fish out of water comedy <laughs> mermaids <laughs> you know Daryl hannah you know there's the can you give me a second example well you know splash two Whoever that shit was. <laughs> I agree with you, Stuart. Physicality-wise, he's pulling off the shaved head and the brooding man with no name off the screen right away for me. He's pulling off way more than Timothy Oliphant did. And just the little bit of characterization that he's bringing to this, I do feel like this guy is a trained assassin with no emotions. Right off the bat, I'm giving this guy the award for being the best Agent 47 we've seen on screen to date. Right up front. My biggest problem with Timothy Oliphant was always how his voice sounded and how it just didn't feel like the voice of a killer. And it's not just that his voice was the wrong pitch or that he was born with it, but the tone of his delivery and his inflection never worked. Here, this guy has a better voice. He sounds like an assassin to me, you know, the stereotype. I'm not going to say that this is my best friend that I'm going to want to see play Hitman every time. Is he better than Oliphant? Moderately. But this guy does not capture the screen any better than Oliphant did. He does not hold my attention. He does not have the charisma or the presence to carry a film. He's damn lucky he doesn't have to. Here's the thing. If this were a macho movie, yeah, he'd have problems. What I referenced earlier is there's times where this movie goes for funny. And this guy does make me laugh. I enjoyed him again in Death of Stalin and here in this movie as well. I think when he's pitched to do that, he pulls it off. What's interesting, though, is that he's one of many people looking for Katya 
She's kind of the Linda Hamilton. I mentioned Terminator. We're going to spend a lot more time on her character and perceiving Agent 47 as an aggressor, as a Terminator coming to... I mean, she is. She is a target. He has been assigned to wipe her out. Yeah, having just watched the first movie, we come to expect Agent 47 is going to be our good guy, the person we're supposed to attach to. But up front in this movie, it's very clear that we don't know what his means are. And the first half of the movie plays like he's the bad guy and we need to get away from him. The first half hour of the movie, I'll agree. And I was very confused by that because coming in, Zachary Quinto, I see in this and I'm like, I think he's probably going to be our bad guy. But yeah, Terminator was on my mind as well. In the start of this movie, it's like he's Kyle Reese going to get Linda Hamilton and running from this Hitman Terminator. And it fooled me because I always thought the Hitman would be the hero. I didn't remember the trailers. I remember there were some I saw, but I don't remember what was in them. And I didn't watch the trailers or anything before this. But I was like, are they really going to go the route that Quinto's our hero and Hitman's the bad guy? The only thing that kept undermining it is Rupert Friend had top billing. Yeah, and I mean, we have not seen that happen in a video game movie. I don't think we've seen a character that you play in a game be the bad guy. I guess the closest we came to that was Rampage. But typically, if you play the character, that's going to be the character you also like and follow in the movie. It would have been really impressive if they had written this, like this guy was Robert Patrick, the T-1000, and that the main characters we liked were always trying to get away from the hitman. Yeah, and you know, regular movie tropes, I'm right there with you, I would probably not be falling for this, but we're in an era of Grand Theft Auto games where what you're doing on screen and the story on the screen doesn't really matter. You're killing people for cash. So I thought maybe this movie could go that way. It could, but I didn't buy it very long. I just really didn't. And we know he's looking for Katya, but we don't know that he's out to kill Katya. He's just trying to find her. The opening of the movie is Agent 47 infiltrating one of these various agencies and getting some bearded dude to give up the fact that they're using Katya to try to find the doctor. He still has a Diana and she answers his call and confirms before their meeting in Berlin, she confirms he is to kill both targets. He is to kill Katya and he is to kill this Zachary Quinto who's annoyingly named John Smith. I think it's just the name a spook gives. Yes, and later, Quinto even alludes that, well, my real name's Brian, because he's trying to earn this woman's trust. We would think that if he's here to assassinate her, he would do that as soon as he finds her at the train station in Berlin. But in fact, he's going to play the romance game of get to know me, trust me, I will protect you from the hitman that is coming for you. Despite the fact that Quinto played Spock, and played him very well, I really do like him as Spock. His role of Skyler on Heroes is always what I see when I see him outside of a Starfleet uniform with those harsh bangs. Whenever I see him with his natural hair, he just comes off ominous to me. So I couldn't trust him in these scenes. I just never could. I always felt like he was playing a confidence game, especially with the name John Smith. Well, what I knew is that whether any of these guys ended up being good for her, the character that we like now is Katya. She's kind of the bionic woman. If people remember that 70s show, <laughs> she had bionic hearing. So here we see Katya walking along Berlin and she can hear domestic violence 80 floors up in some housing project and call the police. And she just 
just has a sense about things. It almost feels like more than just heightened sensory, she has the ability to look into the future. I think she's clairvoyant. The way the film is made, that's not clear right away because we're seeing flashbacks every once in a while. And I wasn't sure if what we were seeing was her walking down a street in Berlin and having memories of something that happened there or if those things were happening in real time until she pulled that police box alarm and then that tells you as a viewer like, oh yes, she is somewhat clairvoyant and she has some special powers. And strangely, this is kind of from the game. In the game, you're told that your genetics, especially if you're playing on the easier levels, give you an ESP-like power to see your target. You can hit a button on the most recent game, and it'll give you outlines of everyone, and you can see your target is in red, so you know where to go, even if you're just wandering around. And so ESP isn't completely foreign to the game and something 47 sort of has and here yeah i knew there was something up with her i didn't know what but i'm like she's obviously genetically modified because we do get her it reminds me of the tv show chuck chuck used to do this thing where his eyes would flutter and he'd have this flash of knowledge she'd just kind of stand there and looked like all of a sudden she was dizzy and we'd see a quick cut montage and suddenly she'd know stuff Right. Yeah. She is the heroic character. She is trying to put together the whereabouts of a man who is anonymous to her. But I think everyone watching the film would know from the early scenes, this is her father. Litviko was her father. You may not guess that he genetically modified her, but you would at least know that the picture she has of this guy and why she's going down into these subterranean archives, trying to find out where he lived in Berlin and where he might be now is because she was programmed to protect him to find him again that is i guess the reason why she would look for a man she has no reason to need i read it as she's just trying to piece her past together like she has amnesia which the story skips over i mean we get a little bit of a backstory where she's kind of got a Jin urso type of you know from star wars rogue one type of backstory where her mother was killed as her family was fleeing and her dad shoved her in a grate and that's the last time we see her until now. I'm confused in these early scenes because she keeps saying father. I see she has these flashes. Well, is he all the clones' fathers? You know, could they all see him as father? Is she actually the product of normal sexual reproduction? Or was she some test tube clone? She actually does not know it's her father. She never uses that word. It's Zachary Quinto's character that tells her, this is the father. That's who you're looking for. She didn't know that. I thought she did know that because she remembered the death of the mother. She remembered fleeing. Yeah, that's later. Right, but I thought she remembered it always. Yeah, you know what? They pay fast and loose. We don't know what she knows in these early scenes because she's a person that has been designed to live on instinct. And my sense is when we see the map of where that little girl has been, like she's just been running from city to city in every major city in Europe looking for where her father might be without really developing an identity of her own or even knowing why she's doing it. She's not much like Agent 47, a total human being. She's a hybrid. 
She's as much machine as she is flesh and blood feeling empathic creature. I'd like to have more of her backstory. I'd like to have more reason here. I'd like to know if she was programmed for that and why she'd be programmed for that. Why would he even have a genetically normal child and then experiment on it? When they find him, he will give some speech to that. We can discuss whether it works for you. But for now, she is under the protective custody of John Smith and running from Agent 47 when he comes at the train station. And we have what I think are some actually kind of cool stunts when they fall on the moving train. And I mean, the fist fights are kind of mediocre, but I like some of the stunt work. I did not like when they fell on the moving train. I thought it looked cheap. I thought it looked really CGI. Remember, I did have the brand new 4K transfer. (laughs) (laughs) But it looked like an animatic almost when they hit that train. I do think the staging of the action is superior to the original film here at least you know you feel like you're in a close quarter gun battle here and it's not just all quick cuts and everything there's a little bit of stuff you can follow on screen here and i see what you're saying arnie it does look a little cheap and him laying down to avoid the train i don't think that would work i want to see anyone do that ever i don't care if you're an emaciated two-foot person i want (laughs) to see you lay under a subway and live Probably not going to happen, but the director on this is new and one that did not work in features before or since. He's a commercial guy. I went and looked up his reel. He'd done a lot of spots for European cars. So the fact that there's so many car chases in this movie, you know, it opens with kind of a needless car chase in Austria. And then later we're going to get a museum car chase. It's because that was his forte. And I do think those are some of the more fun looking, exciting moments in the film. He played to his strength there. Yeah, these fights here, I saw from the copious behind-the-scene features, both Quinto and Friend wanted to do as much of the fights as they could. They underwent the training. It kind of shows. I think these are okay fights. I thought the last one had okay fights, though. I'm not seeing a superior level of action here. I'm not feeling that the cinematography is any better. I'm really feeling very similar to last time with a bit more coherent and easier story. But this fight in the train station where we're still supposed to think 47's the bad guy, it felt better than TV, but not what I'd expect from a feature. It feels a lot like TV to me. I mean, it really does feel like the kinds of stories that we would follow this woman town to town for a whole season as she pieces together her identity. Blind Spot or whatever, there was that show about the woman that had tattoos all over and it took her five seasons to find out why. And it just felt like one of those kinds of mysteries you could take all year long to unfold if you want to. But they've chosen to tell it in the next 90 minutes. And meanwhile, speaking of Terminator, Quinto decides the best way to protect themselves against this killing machine is to fire a gun up in the air and get arrested and hope that an American diplomat named Sanders can keep them out of harm's way. See, since he was named Smith, I thought he might be a continuation, admittedly a much younger and thinner continuation, of CIA agent Smith from the last movie, and I thought he went to the embassy because CIA were going to be protected but he's not cia he's not the same smith and i don't get why he'd want to be arrested at all because he knows there's a hired hitman chasing them and getting into the u.s embassy is going to at least be protection for now 
Yeah, and this director saw Terminator and just remembers how cool that entering the police precinct and blowing everyone away is. So he wants to <laughs> redo that. And it is kind of fun that Rupert Friend kind of struts in, not hiding his arsenal. Like he walks through the x-ray machine, knowing full well it's all the guns in his belt and suitcase are going to set it off. Yeah, we've seen this before in the first Matrix film, though. That's what I went back to. I thought then when he showed his guns he was going to have a massive shootout it goes the other way it goes the less expensive way he gets arrested yeah they would like for you to remember all of these things terminator matrix what have you again video games have been copying movie moments i don't really need for it to feel super original i need for it to feel exciting and I do feel like there has been a step up there. I do feel like this movie is easier to follow and more fleet and engaging in these moments when we have 47 finally showing his hand, shooting himself free of his restraints and going for her once again. I like that scene. I liked where the guy from the embassy comes in with a sniper rifle and just points it at him as like hair trigger and pulls the trigger. You don't do that, even if you pretty sure it's not loaded you don't do that <laughs> and i'm not even saying he's worried about this guy in front of him there's some people behind a mirror behind him watching if you shoot at that close range it's gonna go through 47's head and hit whoever's behind that one-way glass <laughs> and i think that just kind of speaks to what Stuart's saying is that there is a little more competence here it's like in a worse movie that I would tear apart. The fact that you don't bring out the killer's weapon, set it directly in front of him, and start taunting him. You just don't do that. But here, it plays out in such a way that it's somewhat satisfying to see him escape from his handcuffs. Yeah, I don't think this movie takes itself as seriously as the Hitman movie did last time. I don't remember feeling like they were going for a lot of wry laughs in the Oliphant version. But here, we know as soon as the gun's sitting there on the table, it's going to go off. And so we're just kind of half smiling, wondering how that cliche is going to unfold. And so in knowing what it is, it's more eager to entertain. And again, that's why I'm in much more of this movie's view of how to present Agent 47 than what was previously given. And this is where we really see we're not in Terminator 1, we're in Terminator 2. He's going to go through this and come with me if you want to live might as well be the line he says when he gets to Katya <laughs> and has to convince her, no, he's the bad guy. I'm the good guy, even though I shot you once. He also changes clothes as fast as the T-1000 does, too. It's like he's morphing into these uniforms somehow without, like, putting on a uniform is going to take a few minutes. You got things to zip up, things to snap and button, and he's just, you know, in the middle of a chase being able to fully dress in uniform. Well, that's from the game. <laughs> yeah, and that's my disappointment. I knew that about the game because I feel like both Hitman movies have failed to take advantage. Again, I think they're afraid of that Val Kilmer Saint movie because it was so horrible and it was Val Kilmer dressing up in a new wig in every scene and playing a character. But I feel like they could have done that a little bit more and had a little bit more fun with disguises. What they said was the suit with the black suit, white shirt, red tie was too iconic and just too striking a look that they didn't want to minimize it. They wanted him to be in that outfit almost entirely. Both movies, they felt that way. Yeah, that shows a lack of confidence in the appeal of their character if they're clinging to a costume. Or the appeal of their actor. They've had Timothy Oliphant and now Friend. I mean, listen, Friend is better, but Friend ain't best. <laughs> I like him fine. You really think he has the charisma to carry a film? I don't think he is carrying this film. I think it's Katya's movie. 
I don't even think he's able to hold my interest enough as an actor to play second bill. But I think this movie is doing at least the story of 47 more correctly than the first one where they focused on 47. Here, 47's an additional character where we're following Katya's story here. Yeah, in fact, that was my feeling of this whole film is 47's going to get totally upstaged. This is not a Hitman movie at the end. This is a movie co-starring Hitman. This is the Katya movie. This movie is going to be about her realizing her powers and it's going to start once they escape this embassy. Actually, I feel like it ends up being a remake of the Bionic Woman, $6 million man crossover TV movie. You remember, they were two different shows, but they came together for one episode to fight. I think it was uh, Bigfoot, right? Yeah. <laughs> Bionic Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. I always liked that episode. My point is, they are related. They are the same thing. It's going to be for Agent 47 to take her on some kind of mansplaining mentorship where he's going to teach her that she has all the power with in her to do all these awesome things starting with i'm going to tie you up next to a turbine engine and see if you can get away before you're sucked in he has a lot of confidence in that this is not one where he's standing in the wings to save her just in case he walks a far amount away if she could not do the gymnastics to get out of there she's dead yeah well again he has faith in her and so it's just for her to realize who she is that's what act two is it's very much believe me when i tell you that you are not katia you're french for the number 90 which i don't speak french that was not some kind of Shyamalan twist that blew my mind <laughs> yeah if so they did a very good job with making a name out of a number but uh, she points out i'm 43 better than you and she is she's a better actor and she's a more interesting character here as she is coming into her own but she has more power she has the same agility the same targeting ability she doesn't know this but yes she has esp or just extra awareness of everything there was a scene in last week's movie when they're at the restaurant nika says do you remember everything what's the woman behind you wearing it's not a woman what's the this table order he knows everything well that's gonna be katya's deal here she's aware of absolutely everything she remembers everything more than a photographic memory she's completely aware of every single thing around her and things that aren't around her. I mean, I think it's one step beyond. She knows before the door bursts open that there's a pack of SWAT team that are coming into the warehouse. And we get, I think, some fun kills. Again, you want to see creativity. Don't just use a gun. Use an air compressor. Use a propeller. Drop a big weight on them. These are more fun deaths than what we had last week. And John Smith is back. We saw him get shot, took several slugs in the chest. This is when we now know that he's Wolverine. I thought he was a clone. I thought they would just keep killing Zachary Quinto's this whole movie. And I'd be down with that. Subdermal titanium body armor. Nothing. Don't even <laughs> think the word adamantium. That's nothing <laughs> at all like that. Never mind. This is from the writer of X-Men Origin. This is the moment where I'm like, wait a second. When Agent 47 stabs Smith with a knife and Quinto just smiles and goes, see, I'm special. I'm like, yeah, but not in a good way. This is ridiculous. It's too far. I'm down with cloning. I give you the one thing, but now you're telling me that this guy, underneath his skin, you've put 
body armor. He's and it's still not enough to protect his fragile feelings. Apparently, you know, because his entire motivation now becomes that he's not as good as the other clones or agents. It's a motivation they built into that character that was unnecessary. You know, he doesn't have a number. We would know very easily if he just... Where did you come on the assembly line? If you're 56, you're better than 47. If you're 13, you're crap and you're outmoded. But he is a special case. We'll eventually find out that he was a one-off fluke that Litvitko didn't think was a good idea and was an inferior to 47. But 47 is a marksman. Shoot him in the eye. Does he have titanium behind the eyeballs? I mean, really, shoot him up the nose. Go straight to the brain cavity. Put a gun in his mouth. Do something. I hate that this guy's invincible. It is a level of ridiculousness beyond even the ESP I could take as she's just hyper aware. They are merely improved but realistic people in this movie you've now introduced a superman yeah that's what it is that's the super part of it why can't we create superman when we genetically mess around i kind of agree with you arnie last week with that movie i was pleasantly surprised to find out that we were in a video game movie that wasn't dealing with supernatural or unnatural abilities that don't really manifest in the real world and to this movie, we are now getting some of that. We're getting superpowers. It's a little off-putting, but I'm going with it in this movie. I feel like if it is a relaunch or a reboot, and this is something they want to put in here as a video game type of trope, I'm okay with it. Okay, I would like somebody who's maybe played every Hitman game, because I haven't, to let me know if there's anything in any Hitman game like a person you can't shoot. Because one of the things I loved about the Hitman games, and maybe this is my baggage coming in, mm. is that they felt real world in that you shot people, they died. You didn't have a big health meter where you could get shot a lot. You got shot a couple of times, you died. I liked the feeling that you were a really good assassin in basically a real world scenario. The stories, if you can call them that in Hitman, are very rarely science fiction based beyond the fact that you are a test tube baby that was genetics, DNA spliced to be the peak of human hitman the hitman himself has nothing supernatural about him he has to wear kevlar like anybody else so if there's anything in any game that sets a precedent for this i'll fucking apologize but as it is this was a bridge too far for me and made me realize i'm in a movie with a star i don't like and a premise that doesn't feel true to the title I don't have any sense of what a Hitman movie... Again, I thought it was a sci-fi game. If they want to make X-Men, which is what this feels like, this it feels a lot like the Wolverine and X-Men Origins, the two solo Hugh Jackman movies. If that's what they want to do, well, I liked one of those. Go with that. I didn't like the movie last week. We can agree that trying to follow that path was never going to lead to anything good. So if they want to copy superhero genre movies, I'm totally on board with superpowers, titanium, endoskeletons, all of that. It may not be a Hitman game, but I don't know what that is. So I feel no betrayal in that. Right. I don't come in with baggage or knowledge of this game either. So I guess I'm a little more accepting of this, even though it's not what I originally wanted from this franchise. 
as you guys are bringing this up, yes, we always have different roles in now playing, and mine is with a vast video game history, and so I have that baggage. If this was not a Hitman movie, if this was named something else and no relation to IO Interactive, and I had this guy, I kind of feel like I do it with the prestige, you know? I needed something else to tell me I was in that movie before the knife broke off in Zachary Quinto's chest. It just feels too convenient. I mean, I think part of the issue there is Quinto is not physically that imposing. He's just not a big enough guy to be a heavy. And so how are we going to worry about him fucking up Rupert Friend? We got to give him a steel skeleton. And again, I always thinking of Terminator throughout this movie. It just made sense to me that they would have him be a Terminator. Funny enough, I was thinking Terminator, but you know what the Terminator I kept thinking most, especially at this moment, was the one that came out the same year. And to me, Zachary Quinto is the Jason Clark. You know, where Jason Clark was not that imposing of an evil Terminator either. And it was almost the same thing because Jason Clark was like, I'm your friend. I'm your son. I'm your killer. You know, it's the same kind of thing. But yeah, I agree. I, this movie is probably as good as Terminator Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> I guess where, where, I, where I'll leave it with Quinto's character is that it could have been just any other actor and the foil for 47 could have just been an endless barrage of brutes that are constantly trying to get in his way. At least here, for story-wise, it's cleaner to have his nemesis keep coming back. Right. And we're not turning this into a fake love story. Katya is more like an ally because they have the shared history. She is now remembering whether it was suppressed or I don't know why. She replayed the memory of them fleeing the compound. She's a little girl. Her mother is shot. And as they are driving through the forest, she saw a little bald boy not holding a rifle. So Agent 47 didn't kill the mother, but he was a witness to her dying. And he was in the same generation that Katya was, even though that there's this huge numerical difference between them, they are contemporaries. They are the same age and were developed at the same time. And also, I think we're fudging the years a little bit. At least the movie is like the year 1965 was dropped. These people aren't old enough to be born in 65. Well, at 67, I think what they were saying is that's when it initiated. We don't know when they reached iteration number 47 or iteration 90. That could have been the 80s. I mean... True. At one point, they mentioned that her dad is now 72. And the flashbacks, he looked like he was in his 30s. So there seems to be some weird messing around with time frames here. Yeah. It's not clean. And we're best not trying to put it all together because we won't find satisfying answers. They also tell her, your father has stage three cancer. Movies make it seem like stage four cancer and all of a sudden you're Peter Quill's mom. No, stage three cancer is not that big a deal, it turns out. Well, I wouldn't want to get it, (laughs) but I think why they bring that up is not for sympathy. They're trying to put together a profile of how far he could go. He was last seen in a South Korean hospital. She saw that as being, well, then he couldn't have gotten too much further from Korea. He couldn't have traveled well in that condition. Plus, he had rheumatoid arthritis. He'll want a warm client. They do all of this bogus stuff 
And again, she's magic, so that can cover all of the... Well, Sherlock Holmes wouldn't have deduced this, but through her magical thinking, she's able to deduce by looking at the profile, as everyone was hoping she would, that this guy must be in Singapore, hiding in plain sight, because that's also where the headquarters for the syndicate is, in a giant sci-fi skyscraper. The people that are looking for him don't know that he's over at the Botanical Gardens at 9 a.m. every morning, (laughs) watching orchids. I understand that, yes, they're using that information drop for that purpose, but they also are setting up this guy's terminal. He doesn't have much more time to live. Stage three does not mean that, but they're doing it so that we don't feel so bad and she doesn't feel so bad when he makes the final sacrifice at the end. We think, ah, he was dead anyway. And instead of dying from this cancer and having a long drawn out death he's just gonna go boom exactly and it's been four years since they knew stage three he could have developed into a later stage and he also could have gone into complete remission <laughs> sadly i I've, I've just become very familiar with cancer this year stage three just means it's metastasized outside the tumor but there's a lot of options Whichever version of cancer he has, uh, it's just so the MacGuffin, the whole reason for this main character's, what she's trying to do is find out who her father is and where he is. We're giving an out card for when he blows himself up at the end, so we don't have to feel bad as a viewer that her journey was fruitless, apparently. And there's still more for her to learn because Agent 47 is there to being like, you need to learn how to evade cameras. And, you know, I kind of like this scene. It's kind of fun to watch her hide behind like surfboards and ride carts and try to bypass all the security camera at an airport, which would be impossible because, I mean, most cameras I would think are stationary. They don't go back and forth. They're going to see everyone that passes by. But, you know, it's a fun little game and it gives her something to do as they're traveling and getting to know another and not falling in love again i'm props to this movie that then they're not learning to fall in love they have more of a relationship a brother and sister than they do as potential lovers to me i thought it might be a romance because i feel they have as much chemistry as the two did last week so because last ones was supposed to be a love story that was just so not there here i thought they might be going that way it doesn't help or hinder it they do end up becoming just a badass team but she is by far the more badass i just feel agent 47 is being upstaged in the movie that's titled agent 47 okay but that's not like a it's not like i love this character so much that i'm like wow they cut his nuts off i mean (laughs) if katia is the star that's fine then name it hitman katia i mean (laughs) because it's part of the surprise you think it's about agent 47 and he's really just pat morita training the next karate kid she has a scene where she's nervous and she dismantles his gun so when the goon bust into their hotel room he's unprepared again the comedy this is what i'm appreciating about this one there's just funny little bits that help this movie along like the comedy where he steals the asthma inhaler i mean yeah no i mean i'm serious i thought that was funny yeah i mean you know what it reminded me of when i i saw him take that i knew he was going to make a weapon out of it but do you guys remember the coen brothers movie irreconcilable differences yes wheezy joe It's the reason I don't keep my gun in my nightstand is because there's the asthma inhaler in the gun and you don't ever want to grab the wrong one. (laughs) (laughs) And these botanical gardens. I mean, I'm not into orchids, but I actually think this location is super cool when we finally catch up with what Levico has been doing and that he's on this amazing bridge to the coolest rainforest cafe I've ever seen. 
Oh, it's gorgeous. 4K? Hey, I can't talk enough about how absolutely wonderful this looked. And they talked about it on the special features. No film has ever been done here before. This was shot on location in Singapore, and they just never put cameras in here before. It's a wonderful thing. It does look very sci-fi and very futuristic, and it's actually all real. And this is where he says, what I took is why she was made was that he fell in love with the mother and she was barren. She couldn't have children and wanted children. And so he used his genetic magic to make her. And then he said, we gave her also the tools to be free. Meaning they made her, they changed her so that she could always protect herself. I don't know that they knew that meant that she would be running city to city for 30 years. But, <laughs> you know, she could handle her own without them because they knew there would become a day they wouldn't be around. I heard the words, give you the tools you need to be free. And I knew that the mother was barren, but yet it two plus two didn't equal five for me on this one as to why he would do that much genetic manipulation. How much did he know they were running from? It's all very muddy to me. Yeah, it's not perfectly laid out. I took it as, yes, he was killing two birds with one stone. He was giving the woman he loved a child and also making his best version of what he'd been doing, knowing that this child would probably spend her life on the run from this organization that he was leading. Yeah, he, she wasn't trained as a killer, but she had the instincts to protect herself. So it's slightly different. I mean, you know, the fact that she's female and not male, maybe they're playing into the gender politics of that as well. But he thinks when he sees 47, he's a dead man. And what we're finding out is that this journey has been growth for him as well. He believes he has free will. And so if he chooses not to wipe out a target, he doesn't have to. And we'll see him even make that choice because we're not sure who his target is. It could be Ludvinko, but we'll have it confirmed by Angela Baby in her one scene that it is, in fact, his sister. And she's playing Diana. Right? That was Angela Baby. Yeah, yeah. The one that we never saw in the first film that may have been a help or may have been setting him up. Never sure. Here, it's still kind of confusing as to what she wants, but she wants him to follow the orders of his hits. And he will learn that he doesn't need to listen to Diana. He can be his own man. And that means a car chase. Again, car commercial guy, you got to work this in here. I thought this was really actually pretty cool when we get Zachary Quinto chasing them out on the street. The part of this I really liked was when it gets harpooned in the intersection and all the guys come down on the ropes and all of that. I thought that was a really fun sequence. I was wondering who set a harpoon into a car, but I thought it was something I hadn't seen before was driving and basically being on a pendulum there. <laughs> I can't say I'm into any of this action, but that one thing did kind of catch me as what what is that yeah i mean it's all coming off as we've said it before as very competent tv action you know if this was on saturday night on cbs i would be chewing my popcorn and thinking this is great you know i mean somebody has an eye for cinematography here where they're stuck is dead center in a yellow painted x line on the street this bright red car it's all goofy and fantastical but it's playing well and i'm, I'm enjoying what i'm being put in front of here 
Yeah, if you saw it in a movie theater, though, I think the problem is this is coming out competing with movies. You can't be TV action on the big screen. And so I think where they get into trouble is the fact that this isn't competitive with Mad Max Fury Road. You know, that's just not giving us the kind of car chases and the kind of action that we've come to expect on the big screen where we paid $15, $20. It's not even the remake of The Italian Job. Right. (laughs) And that was not the greatest. I mean, I'm not adrenalized in the least. The longer the movie runs, and it's not a long movie, the less interested I am because the first movie, it had its hooks in me because I was trying to hang on to the story with my fingernails. Here, it's a pretty straightforward story. So there's not anything really keeping me interested. Yeah, I mean, we could have anticipated much like a CBS one-hour drama. She would reconnect with her father, she would forgive him, and then he would be taken from her. He is going to emerge from this scene, shot in the ankle, left behind for Zachary Quinto to swoop up and torture in a chair while she is drugged and regains control of her emotions for the film's climax, which is here. And now we find out the real target all along is Leclerc. Von Strucker, was that his name from the Marvel Universe? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was trying to remember him. I'm like, he's the Nazi guy that Captain America chased in Ultron. (laughs) Yeah, and he'd been teased along the way that he's this paranoid guy in this compound. He only communicates through Skype and there's no getting to him. And agent after agent has tried. I guess all the agents have given up being paid contractors or this is the one contract they all just keep taking and failing and it got to 47. Yeah, the syndicate, this is where I just, I needed this clarified. The syndicate is what the agent program sprang out of, but... That's not who 47 is working for now. Diana is some other entity. That's dial an assassin. Has nothing to do with the syndicate. And Diana wants the head of the syndicate dead. And so that's been the big goal is how do we lure him out of his office in this high-tech skyscraper? We're going to need to use Litvico to do that. Yes. And so all of this stuff that 47's been saying is his mission was bullshit. And the whole thing is, in a Shyamalan-like twist, I've been trying to get to Leclerc the whole time. Well, no, no, don't misunderstand. He is supposed to kill Katya. He chooses not to. That is why we have the ending we do. Is it? Yes. He betrays Diana. I didn't get that, but... I'm 100% on it. I'll tell you how they lay that out when we get there. But let's first talk about some helicopters, because this was kind of cool, too. He ends up getting this chopper driving through their, like, window and chopping up all the techies at the terminals. I thought that was fun. That was the single best moment of the entire film. Agent 47 isn't even in the helicopter. Yeah, it's her at that point. I wonder if Agent 47's in this film very much, but Katya is there. Agent 47's talking over an intercom. We got Smith on the inside. And suddenly Katya gets this idea to go a little kamikaze. Her hands are tied, but she pushes the stick forward and the helicopter goes and starts tearing it up in there that does not look like tv stuff this is the best scene of the entire film 
I like Car Harpooned as well, but yeah, this is as good as that. And again, I'm surprised that you're not adrenalized at all. I mean, I think you just have to set your expectations for, imagine this is the 90s and you rented that thing off Blockbuster that never went to theaters that had some second rate Cynthia Rothrock and Roddy Rowdy Piper. That's what this movie feels like. Yeah, we're in the arcade. I could grade on a curve if I wanted, but... Well, you did like that stuff. I mean, you made me watch Tango and Cash because you said it was the greatest film ever made. I was also 15. You need to get back into your 15-year-old mindset and say, let's watch that movie again. This is rated R. Oh, oh you're right. You would never watch an R-rated movie at 15. The curve that I'm going to grade this on is that Yes, they're taking their budget and they're putting it on screen. We've seen Uva Bowl movies where he's taken the budget and put it in his pocket. And we have to sit through the crap that he didn't spend the money on. I'll appreciate a movie that spends enough money to make their special effects at least come off as cool looking. And these are believable special effects. Yeah, this movie is competent. You could argue it's not very exciting. But how exciting can a movie be when the main characters are clones with no emotion? I mean, I think... It's kind of built into the cake. This is not going to be a character-driven piece. They've done what they can by making it the bionic woman and the $6 million man do die hard for a climax and then fight the electric albino. I got to say, if they ever make a movie called Electric Albino, they made a sequel to this one. I'm in. Green <laughs> Arrow. I want to see Zachary Quinto with white hair and white eyes doing electric kung fu. Believe it or not, they made... A comic tie-in to this, mm. published by Boom Comics, that's a sequel slash prequel. Nice. What happens? It starts with Zachary Quinto waking up and being like, now I am better than Agent 47 mm -hmm. because I am chaos. Yeah. <laughs> and then it jumps to like four weeks earlier and it's the first scene of the movie. Actually, the first scene of the movie where like the guy goes to get the gun and the bomb goes off, that was a complete reshoot. There was an original one where Agent 47 tied the guy upside down and tortured him for the information. And uh, that is depicted in comic book format. But I didn't realize this was Kinto. With that Yu-Gi-Oh wig on, I was like, is that Smith? I think it's Smith. I had to go to a wiki to be sure that that was Smith because I was, did not know. <laughs> yeah, and he's the surprise tease for a sequel that's probably never going to happen. But it comes out of this fight when in trying to get the clerk back to his safe room because helicopters are coming through the window. 47 is waiting for him and they have this big fight on a smart table where Spock ends up getting a garret around his neck and then stuck in the electrical wiring. He is adamantium inner self is so powerful that it actually shorts out the building for like 10 seconds. Again, <laughs> the, the humor is kind of funny, actually. I thought it was just, if I stick a freaking butter knife in a socket, it's going to take out the electricity. It's called a short. I didn't think it was because he was had a whole skeleton of it. The whole building? You think the whole building would go out? Like every light in every window of this 100 foot building? Like It just depends on how it's wired. But if it's all the one fuse box, yes. A fork? Okay. <laughs> I want to see you do that, David Copperfield. <laughs> Give me some kind of protective garment. All right. Do it. I would assume the guy who spent the last 30 years of his life hiding hiding in his office in this high-tech building might have his electricity and security on a different breaker than the rest of the building, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good idea. But you know what? These are Hitman movies. These aren't very smart people. They never do what we would do. But they're going to make a swap. Agent 47 makes the case. Katya has 
I don't know what, readable DNA? If you put her under a microscope, you can know how she was made. And so you don't need Litvinko to be injected with truth serum until he pukes. You can just have her. He proposes a trade on the roof. And that's where Leclerc tries to get away with his scientist dude. I was actually surprised he got away. I thought, you haven't given Agent 47 much this movie, but you gotta give him the Leclerc kill, right? I thought for sure he would be able to take out that guy or let Katya do it. If 47 was going against Smith, Katya needed to take out Leclerc. I think 47 did kill him because 47 was the one that took that inhaler off that boy in that elevator and configured it in a way that it could become a bomb. Don't ask me how. I don't even care. And then he slipped it into his dad's pocket. So he gave the dad the means by which to do the yippee Kaye motherfucker climactic explode yourself up and take out the bad guy and the way the story has been set up leclerc is a foil for the father i mean they were partners essentially so it could fall to him to be the one to take him out then who's the foil for katia well i think that that's the choice that gets made here is that she is the second target diana calls and says are both targets eliminated and he says levico is down And the other one is down and he turns to her and she says, see, you only cared about Leclerc. He was the only target. We know she was the other one. And he says, my mission was to set you free. And so as they are preparing to leave, Diana sends Agent 48. He gets out of the elevator and says, Diana says, hello. He is sent to kill her because 47 wouldn't do it. Makes sense. Yeah, because all the other goons, yeah, they wouldn't have those lying around. This is a special from Diana. There are other goons in the building, and it would be kind of fun to imagine them battling their way out. But no, the end climax is who's going to win when 47 goes up against a slightly better version of himself. Yeah, 48. A nice little touch visually is 48 is brand new looking his head is completely cleanly shaved where 47 has had a little bit of five o'clock shadow stubble this whole time good point i did not notice that the stubble bothered me in both these movies i'm like can't you just wax it or let him grow hair like what's your thing to baldness how does that help be a better killer especially if you're rogue from the agency you might think you know grow the hair out and cover up the obvious mark that says you're from the agency they might be looking for Maybe you can wear more wigs if you're bald. I don't know. (laughs) In some of the games, you put a Band-Aid over the barcode like Marcellus Wallace. Yeah, if anything, it's more notable that you're walking around with a giant barcode on your head. Get a hat. It seems really easy. I'm looking for this guy. He's bald with a barcode. Mm -hmm. Red tie. (laughs) I'm surprised they didn't upgrade from barcodes to QR codes, you know, knowing what we know now. (laughs) Yeah, but a barcode is still kind of cool in that 1984 Orwellian kind of way. Getting a tattoo of a QR code is just douchey. (laughs) It just links to, like, his Twitter page. (laughs) (laughs) I have a problem with the concept of the barcode anyway, because they're using, like, a retail barcode. You know, I mean, if this is a scientific experiment, they might have some other visible way of identifying people with a scanning image but it is what it is it's it's from the game and i understand why they're doing it yeah it's called a fingerprint and we all have them but hey whatever (laughs) so justin stewart do you recommend hitman agent 47 justin you know what i'm not going to recommend this movie because outside of the arcade it's not a great movie but 
you know, as a follow-up to a movie that I wasn't looking forward to, I was pleasantly surprised by how much more competent this one was. You know, the first movie didn't want to fuck me, it didn't want to kill me. This one didn't either, but it also didn't want to try to confuse me with a bunch of different names and a bunch of different locations and a whole convoluted story of how did this happen, how did this go down. This one was pretty easy to follow. Sure, there's a few questions of why did this happen or what was this motivation, but for the most part, it was linear, easy to follow, and it was much better looking. I liked the cinematography here. You know, when we're looking at, at the beginning of the movie, we're in Berlin and we're in old school Europe streets. And then for a change of pace, we end up in Singapore in a very high techy area for a big finale. So I think just looking at this movie, it feels better than the first one. But having said that, if we find out next week that they're coming out with a sequel to this, I'm not going to get excited. You know, this didn't pull me in and become a Hitman fan. This one was easier to get through than the first one. So it's a mild not recommend, but it's higher than Hitman, the original. Stuart. Yeah, I'm feeling much more positive as well. I mean, this movie is very concerned about placement and order, who's better than who. I can confidently say this is a major improvement over Oliphant's disaster of a film last week. Is it 43 notches better? Is it a Katia to the Oliphant 47? That is a tougher call to make. I did like a few of the set pieces. I've mentioned the car harpoon, the helicopter coming through the window. I thought the performances were adequate. Uh, the worst you could say about them is that they're kind of bland, but that's true of TV movies. That's true of clones and androids. I mean, the whole idea is that these are characters that don't have personalities, that don't have identities. I didn't recommend it for myself, but is it because I didn't care about the property? And if I did, would I? The experiment I played was... If this were an X-Men movie, which this felt in many ways like an X-Men movie, have I given recommends to X-Men movies that are worse than this? And I did give a green arrow to Apocalypse. And I do think that this is about as good as that. So if I liked and was invested in this world, I think this would be good enough. If you don't know anything about hitman you're not going to like it move along but a qualified green arrow recommend if you care enough about the property to want to see a goodish version of it as a theatrical film so it's a green arrow yeah i mean you hear what i'm saying it's yeah. qualified i myself didn't really care one way or the other but i think like justin's saying you want to give it something for being so much better than last week and much of the arcade it's watchable it was easy to watch and I love your equivalency to X-Men Apocalypse because I was very invested in the X-Men universe and I red arrowed that son of a bitch. And I'm red arrowing this. I don't think you <laughs> held that card too close to your vest. I think we knew that you were dissatisfied. But what you may be shocked by, because I'm shocked I stand alone, I actually think the first movie was better. Now, I think if you took friend here and put him in the first movie instead of Oliphant, one of these movies might have gotten a green arrow. But I don't know, though. As I've said, friend, I'm no friend to him. I don't think he deserves to be on the big screen. Keep him on Homeland. I don't think this guy... Remember when we reviewed Need for Speed and talked about how Aaron Paul had just come from Breaking Bad and he just 
was suddenly not ready to lead a big screen film. I feel the exact same way about Friend here. Go watch Death of Stalin. He's quite entertaining in that film. Okay, well, he gives me no indication here that he would ever have a presence that would draw my eye on screen. Very few people in this film do. I mean... It's bad when Angela Baby is one of the most screen presence in an entire film. She outdoes Kinto here. I mean, Kinto's not the greatest either. Like I said, he's a great Spock. That's about it. Even the second season of Heroes and On, he sucked. So the action was not good enough, even though it did have that highlight. I did I, The car harpoon was okay for me. I loved the helicopter coming in. If they could have more stuff like the helicopter coming in, the helicopter flying into the building here is the equivalent of John McClane jumping off the exploding roof of the original Die Hard. I mean, it's that good. But one good stunt effect does not a good movie make. And I will again say... It may be because I've spent all of December playing Hitman games that I came in liking what Hitman is, even though it's not my style of game. I'd much prefer the come in both guns blazing Matrix, but I may just be coming in saying I'd love to see a Hitman movie and this was the furthest thing from it. But I'd rank these Hitman and then Hitman Agent 47, but by a hair. I mean, they're pretty much equally bad to me. I, you know, I don't know that a movie like this deserves to have a good lead performance. It's not like I want someone I really respect as an actor to take this role. I mean, Paul Walker, you know, rest in peace, but I don't know that he was a very good actor either. I don't think he would have blown us out of the water if he had been able to play this role. That they got some nondescript guy to play a clone? Fine. I mean, it's just not a movie franchise that's begging me to return and again and again. So the fact that this is going to... Right now, it's in development to being a TV series on Hulu. Seems like the perfect conception of how to take this video game episodic. Every episode, he goes somewhere else on a different mission to kill somebody else. And you can make what's interesting about it, the people he interacts with. That seems much more appealing than the idea of following Agent 47 or Agent 90 through future sequel. Right, because it, after all, it is a video game world, and it's trying to live in an action movie spy thriller universe without earning either of those things. But yeah, you're right, TV might be the perfect place for this. Like you said, weekly missions with an overall overarching mission to figure out who he is, essentially, that he can find out at the end of season three. Fine, I'm not going to be chomping at the bit for something like that, but it feels more appropriate there. Yeah, TV's great because that means I don't have to watch it. I mean, I felt we weren't outside the blast radius of a sequel for this. I was very upset when I realized it came out in 2015 and I'm like, I think we need two more years to be really sure they aren't going to do Agent 47 Part 2. I felt like it was a little too close for comfort. And so, yes, go to Hulu, stay out of theaters. I, like I said, it's a bad property to adapt because the whole point is not you. It's a puzzle game where you need to go in and be inventive and use cunning and use your wits and be smart and kill somebody and get out. And it, you do it again and again and again. That's fun. But I mean, I don't want to see Maze Craze the movie either. And I liked that game, too. If anyone remembers Maze Craze. <laughs> well, 
maybe a actual John Woo movie will fix you up. We've mentioned the fact that It Man was partially inspired by the films of John Woo. That's what we're covering next week. Face Off, a donor request. Kind of, in that they wanted to make a John Woo thing, and then the publisher said, no, go do this other thing. But yeah, Face Off, it is... A one-off we're doing at the request of a patron. I'm excited. I mean, I saw it in theaters. Did I like it? Find out next... Uh, all right, I'll admit, I liked it back then. Will I still like it mm. is the question. <laughs> yeah, that's always the case for something you respond to a long time ago. I've never seen it. I have actually never watched the film. Even of this recording, I have no idea what I'm going to think of it. But I'll let you know next week. Isn't it the, the debut of Travolta's short hair toupee? <laughs> <laughs> what about Get Shorty, though? I don't even know what he looks like in this film. He looks like Nick Cage. <laughs> well, I walked into that one, didn't I? I meant never mind. And we will be getting back to video games eventually. A couple months, we'll be kicking off Pokemon. So I don't know anything about that either. I mean, I didn't even know it was a video game. I thought it was a card game. I was belligerent that we were not going to do those films because they were not video games first. Well, I was wrong, and you guys will all suffer with me when we go through five Pikachu adventures leading up to a combo made in hell. Pikachu and Ryan Reynolds, Detective <laughs> Pikachu this summer. Can't wait. Does that mean I have to dust off my Pokemon Go app? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I do. I Here's the tactic. I love this. I love everything about Pokemon. I don't know a thing about it, but I'm going to try my damnedest to love everything about it. So the games, the toys, the critters, I love it. I love it. And I can't wait to share all that love in the six podcasts we're going to do. <laughs> Watch me clench my teeth as I say, I love it. Can you feel the love tonight? Yes, I do. I love it already. I, I just know Mikachu and Pikachu. And all, it's just so me. Well, that is coming up next to the arcade. We've got quite a bit in between then and now. You can see the schedule at nowplayingpodcast.com in the right column on the bottom. And you'll see that the top item in coming up next is split the m night Shyamalan hit the visit restored his financial viability but split washed all the black marks off his name somehow in one fell swoop to where people are excited for an m night film again oh don't get confused he will never wash away lady in the water in the happening but we can forget that and call it a different era and say yeah maybe he can actually make some good superhero movies now i feel like unbreakable worked and i think split's gonna work and glass is gonna work and i'm excited to see him work at that level and glass opens this thursday i got my tickets imax thursday night and that reviews out friday next week you can hear all of those shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate and help keep our show going the donation drive is winding down and we're going to have quite a while here with no bonus podcasts. So get them now so you can listen and have extra podcasts to listen to until spring. And Justin Stewart, thank you for joining me. And until next time, game over. I have
have to go. So much for happy endings. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You did your job, and you did it very well. And for that, my boy, you should be proud. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. What do they want? More of me. Why would anyone want more of you? Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. You want me to stop and get it out? I don't know. You think we have time for foreplay? Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. Thank goodness you have Interpol to finance your persistence, huh? You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. Would you like to know how much you paid for me? 300. American. You can also join the Now Playing Patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month, plus even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. Find the details on our website. Give me what I want and I'll leave you in peace. I give you what you want, there will be no peace. If you want even more Now Playing reviews, place your order now for the first Now Playing book, Underrated Movies We Recommend. Get reviews of 125 films our hosts love. You can order the book by clicking the banner at the top of our homepage. I don't think I can do this. Not in your time frame. Keep reading. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. I suggest you and your men follow me. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. We determine who we are by what we do. Now Playing's video game retrospective series is edited by Arnie. It is a strange thing to wish to die. Now Playing credits read by Brock. I was just going over a few of my lines. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. After all these years, I think you trust me a little more than this. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. I wanted you to understand the gravity of this situation. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Vinganza Media Incorporated and may not be used without the expressed written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. This is not a request. 
Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2019, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Stop talking or I'll put you back in the trunk. Okay, I'm recording. Test, test, test. Test, test, test. Test. Ricola. <laughs> Who's Rupert Friend? I don't know Rupert Friend. Is that even, is it Friend? No. <laughs> no, it's, it's a dude. He, I, I, I'll talk him. We'll talk about him. He's a real actor. <laughs> and another name I know, Angela Baby. <laughs> <laughs> she a, a YouTube star? Sort of. <laughs> she was in Independence Day too. Oh. She's like a big Chinese star. A, I would just love to meet this man once because as a Star Wars fan, I'd like to say, hello, friend. <laughs> and then when we leave, good night, but not goodbye. <laughs> Kind of the bionic woman, if people remember that 70s show. She's got these magic powers. It had a reboot not all that long ago, like 10 years ago, they rebooted it on NBC. Oh, wow. I guess that didn't last. No. They also had some TV, they also had some reunion movies with the son and the daughter together. Mm, of course they did. Of course, the son also had to become bionic. They, they just have bad luck, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to cost a lot more than $6 million to do the things that they were doing. There was a scene in last week's movie where Kata, Nada, what's her name? I don't know. It was it, I always wanted to say Nadia, and it wasn't Nadia. It was... It's Katya, was it? right? No, this, that's now. Th now, last oh, week. Oh, oh, jeez. That, that, <laughs> that was last week. I know. Like, like <laughs> I want to think about that. All right, I'll look. I can't help but think if this was a Star Wars movie, we'd be talking about how she's a Mary Sue and all that stuff. But unfortunately for us, it's it's a Hitman franchise. And hey, I, you know what? You tell me that Ray was genetically <laughs> altered at birth with midichlorians. I'll go with it. But we had nothing there. <laughs> here, exactly. Those are exactly the type of things I would expect to hear from people. <laughs> yeah. But here they're giving me the explanation. I just needed something for Ray. Remember when we did Need for Speed and talked about how Aaron Paul or whatever his name was? Was it Aaron Paul? Mm hmm Oh, wow. I pulled that out of my ass. <laughs> <laughs>